Let us pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Blessed Lord, who has called, who has caused all holy scriptures to be, to be written for our, for our, for our um, learning, grant that we may in such wise hear them, read, mark, learn, and and inwardly digest them that by patience and comfort of thy holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which thou hast given us through our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. amen. Sorry, the amen gets me sometimes. Uh, okay, so Lamentations chapter two. Um, this is going to be fairly, fairly quick compared to last week because last week we did a lot of introductions. Um, but we see again, as with last week, um, the acrostic structure of this chapter that uh, each verse begins with a letter from the Hebrew alphabet, and I even checked the Hebrew, it's actually kind of neat. So verse 1 begins with like A, verse 2 begins with B, so on and so forth, right? Aleph, Bet, Gimel, Dalet, Hey, things like that, the Hebrew uh, letters. And like we said last time, this is all supposedly, or it's, it's theorized that this is to give some structure to the grief, right? Some sort of structure some sort of sense to all of the um, seeming senselessness of the destruction of Jerusalem and Judah and the people going into the exile in uh, Babylon. So um, with that, with, with that understanding, and, and last, last week we heard about um, chapter one, uh, Lady Zion's grief and shame. Uh, this week, it's more of just as the overview of the fall of Jerusalem and God's wrath. So let's let's have somebody give us get us started here. Um, there's 22 verses. They're, it's not a very long chapter, but if you'd like to stop halfway or however, let's get started. Who wants to read chapter two of Lamentations? And the Lord in his anger has set the daughter of Zion under a cloud. He has cast down from heaven to earth the splendor of Israel. He has not remembered his footstool in the day of his anger. The Lord has swallowed up without mercy all the habitations of Jacob in his wrath he has broken down the strongholds of the daughter of Judah. He has brought down to the ground in dishonor the kingdom and its rulers. He has cut down in fierce anger all the might of Israel. He has withdrawn from them his right hand in the face of the enemy. He has burned like a flaming fire in Jacob, consuming all around. <clears throat> 
He has bent his bow like an enemy, with his right hand set like a foe. And he has killed all who were delightful in our eyes. In the tent of the daughter of Zion, he has poured out his fury like fire. The Lord has become like an enemy. He has swallowed up Israel. He has swallowed up all its palaces. He has laid in ruins its strongholds, and he is multiplied in the daughter of Judah, mourning and lamentation. He has laid west his booth like a garden, laid in ruins his meeting place. The Lord has made Zion forget festival and Sabbath, and in his fierce indignation has spurned king and priest. The Lord has scorned his altar, disowned his sanctuary. He has delivered into the hand of the enemy the walls of her palaces. They raised a clamor in the house of the Lord as on the day of festival. The Lord determined to lay in ruins the wall of the daughter of Zion. He stretched out the measuring line he did not restrain his hand from destroying. He calls rampart and wall to lament. They languish together. Her gates have sunk into the ground. He has run and broken her bars. Her king and princess are among the nations. The law is no more. And her prophets find no vision from the Lord. The elders of the daughter of Zion sit on the ground in silence. They have thrown dust on their heads and put on sackcloth, the young women of Jerusalem. My eyes are spent with weeping, my stomach churns. My bile is poured out to the ground because of the destruction of the daughter of my people because infants and babies faint in the streets of the city. <clears throat> they cried to their mothers, where is bread and wine, as they faint like a wounded man in the streets of the city, as their life is poured out on their mother's bosom. What can I say for you? To what compare you O daughter of Zion, Jerusalem, what can I liken to you that I may comfort you, O virgin daughter of Zion? For your ruin is vast as the sea. Who can heal you? Your prophets have sent, seen for you false and deceptive visions. They have not exposed your iniquity to restore your fortunes, but have seen for you oracles that are false and misleading. All who pass along the way clap their hands at you. They hiss and wag their heads at the daughter of Jerusalem. Is this the city that was called the perfection of beauty, the joy of all the earth? All your enemies rail against you. They hiss, they go, gnash their teeth, they cry. We have swallowed her. Uh, this is the day we long for. Now we have it. We see it. The Lord has done what he 
purpose. He has carried out his word, which he commanded long ago. He has thrown down without pity. He has made the enemy rejoice over you and exalted the might of your foes. Their heart cried to the Lord, O wall of the daughter of Zion. Let tears stream down like a torrent day and night. Give yourself no rest, your eyes no respite. Arise, cry out in the night. At the beginning of the night, watch, pour out your heart like water before the presence of the Lord. <clears throat> Lift your hands to him for the lives of your children who faint for hunger at the head of every street. Look, O Lord, and see with whom have you dealt thus? Should women eat the fruit of their womb, the children of their tender care? Should priests and prophets be killed in the sanctuary of the Lord? In the dust of the streets lie the young and the old. My young women and my young men have fallen by the sword. You have killed them in the day of your anger, slaughtering without pity. You summoned as if to a festival day my terrors on every side, and on the day of the anger of the Lord no one escaped or survived. Those whom I held and raised my enemy destroyed. Okay, so that's Lamentations chapter 2. More fun, cheery things going on. Uh, <laughs> lots of uh, bright sunshine and puppy dogs and rainbows. And... No, just kidding. No, it's terrible, isn't it? It um, I mean, it's, it's absolutely horrible. Um, I'm glad it's warm enough I can take off my, my jacket. Um, so we see here from our, our, um, our handouts, Lamentations chapter 2. Um, well, first of all, does anybody have any questions or any thoughts about what we've read or, or anything I want to get out there first before we dive in? Anything that just... Well, the Lord was really angry. Yes, he was. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and from the video we watched last week, we see that, you know, chapter two is about God's divine wrath. And it's not just volatile anger. You know, he's not just, he's not just angry over nothing, right? He's, um, he has justice for the things that matter. Um, and we're going to look and see that he gave the people fair, fair warning about what would happen to them if they persisted in sin, that they would be cursed and it would be horrible, right? Um, we'll, we'll take a look at some of the parts of the Bible where he explicitly says these things. So God is slow to anger, but his patience has a limit, right? And, and so we're seeing what happens when God meets out justice on those who deserve it, right? Those who um, are deserving of his wrath. Uh, it's not a pretty sight. It's, it's terrible, and it's a, a warning for sure, right? So we do see here, though, that the, the, the interest, well, the big, big point of this book is what we see at the first part of our page here, uh, that in verse 1, this chapter begins with the Lord, right? How the Lord, um, how the Lord 
in his anger, has set the daughter of Zion under a cloud, right? And he does all these things, right? So we see in a striking display of his just anger, God himself had brought Jerusalem and Judah to, to, to ruin. This fact is, is central to, to, um, to understanding um, lamentations. It is not Jerusalem's enemies, such as Babylon, who are causing its, its suffering. Rather, it is God who has done this in response to Israel's rebellion. Right? So we go throughout this entire chapter and we see not, oh, Babylon has done this to us. Oh, the enemies of our people have done this. No, the Lord is doing all these things, right? He is the one who has brought all of this to pass, okay? Any, any, any thoughts about that before we continue on to the discussion portion? So the Lord's bringing on this wrath. It's not actually Babylon. It's the Lord yeah. who yeah. is so angry. Boy, it makes you stop and think about the fear of the Lord. You know, we always talk about the fear of the Lord, but man, you don't want to get him angry. You do not. <laughs> yeah. He, well, and, and Babylon was the instrument, right? Exactly. That Israel was the nail and Babylon was the hammer. and God was the hand that wielded the hammer, right? Um, the hammer doesn't do anything by itself, right? The hand's got to do something with it. So um, that's... So Babylon did do things, but only because God moved them to do so, right? God was the main mover in all of this, the one who did all of it. Um, so yeah, I mean, the fear of the Lord. Um, we were, uh, m Monday I was at a PALS event that's like post-seminary applied learning something or other. Somehow they make it sound like PALS. Um, doesn't make a whole, it's not the best acronym, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, our facilitator um, said, uh, and rightfully so, I think, I, I just had to clarify what he was trying to say. He said, you know, there are things that are, mutual, that are mutually, um, there are things that are mutually exclusive. And he was trying to say that faith and fear are mutually exclusive. And I had to say, well, can we clarify that a little bit? Because the fear of the Lord is faith. Right. That faith does faith requires, like I said on Sunday, faith requires something to hold on to. But so does fear. Right. That's why that's why the saying from uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, we have nothing to fear, but fear itself is a nonsensical statement. It doesn't it really doesn't make any sense. Right. Fear needs something to hold on to. Um, and, and so, so you need to be afraid of something. And that's why we have as the explanation in the small catechism for the first commandment, you know, we should fear love and trust in God above all things, right? And whatever we fear, love and trust in aside from God, that's idolatry, right? So what do you place your fear in? Who, what do you place your trust in? And we've talked before about different kinds of fear and things, things like that. So it, it, it's more ingrained or it's, it's more involved, I should say. It's more involved that, you know, the fear of the Lord is wisdom. 
Yeah, and that takes a, a lifetime worth of contemplation and thinking and chewing on to understand what it means to fear the Lord as one who either doesn't have faith or one who does have faith in him, right? So it's, it, I mean, but the fear of the Lord, be afraid. You should fear God because, I mean, he promises blessings and curses, uh, and it all has to do with faithfulness in what he has done. And yeah, and what we see from here is that his chosen people <clears throat> were faithless. They did not fear him above all things, right? Um, and they thought, if you go back in Jeremiah, and I think Sean and uh, the later class last week brought this up. He's like, if you go through Jeremiah, Jeremiah is standing there saying, repent, repent. And there are other false prophets saying, um, saying uh, things, well, he mocks them in some ways by saying, they'll just keep saying um, the temple of the Lord um, They'll just keep saying that over and over again. The temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. And they'll basically just saying, we will not fall because the temple of the Lord. He has promised not to leave us, but they misunderstand and say, they basically say, he promised not to leave us no matter what we do. It's like, that's not how this works, you know. Um, if you live a faithless and godless life, then you will have the temple of the Lord. But as we saw... God abandoned them, and he cast them out, and he said he was going to do it, and he fulfilled that promise, you know. He has two sides of the same coin of blessings and curses for faithfulness or faithlessness. So, yeah, be afraid, but be afraid for the right reasons, right? Don't just, like we said before, we've said this before, servile fear and, and filial fear. Servile fear is the fear of a slave, um, filial fear is the fear of a son, right? The son has for his father. We fear God in faithfulness because he is our father. Uh, when we sin, we have servile fear and say, Lord, have mercy on me. But then he gives us the gospel and says, you are my son, you are my daughter, and you have nothing to fear except, you know, <laughs> except if, if you fall again and you don't come back, right? That's the fear which you should really be worried about. Anyway, so there's all kinds of stuff we can go on about that. That's a good point, Diane. I like that. The fear of the Lord. Don't take it lightly. Um, so about how about let's dive in here in the discussion portion. Sorry, I've had coffee and I'm ready to go. <laughs> and I worked out this morning, so I've got, got all kinds all right. of stuff going in my direction. Good for you. Yeah, thank you. Um, <laughs> It's the first time in a long time. It's just like, it's about time I get back to it. Um, in verses 1 through 8, what point does the prophet repeatedly make about who destroyed Jerusalem and Judah and why he did it? And we said this before, but what's the answer? The Lord. Yeah, the Lord, right? He uses the word he. Yeah. He. He. All through this chapter. Yeah. He did this and he did that. Yeah. And he does not mean the king of Babylon. No, <laughs> no he means God himself, the, yeah. the, the most high God, um, has done this. So, yeah, the, so uh, Jeremiah stretched, stresses repeatedly that it was God who destroyed Jerusalem and Judah and that he acted in just anger over their sins. Yeah, he has cut down in fierce anger all the might of Israel. He has withdrawn from them his right hand in the face of the enemy, he has burned like a flaming fire in Jacob, consuming all around, right? He has done these things. 
Um, and that's that's terrifying, isn't it? He has withdrawn from them his right hand in the face of the enemy. He just abandoned them. Yeah. He just... It, it, well, it's not just that he abandoned them. He actively worked against them, too. Uh, and, and that's the thing. He brought the Babylon. He brought the Babylonians to their doorstep, and then he just took away his right hand. And what we understand the right hand of the Lord to be is his hand of power. Like by the right hand, God subdued um, the Canaanites and the Jebusites and the Perizzites and the Hittites. You know, all all these uh, or the Hivites and all these other tribes that were sons of Ham that were told they would be driven out so that his people could have this land, right? And it was by his right hand that he led Joshua to defeat all of these people, right? And so in that sense, and, and throughout the rest of the histories, whenever the enemies came to their doorstep, he, by his right hand, conquered them and subdued them, right? You know, for the good of his people. But now he takes his hand away and he doesn't hold them back. He doesn't hold back the hordes of the enemy. He doesn't, he doesn't strengthen his people. He pulls back in a very, in a very direct sense, right? And he, he, he allows it, but he also uses the right hand to bring on the enemy. It's scary. It's very scary, right? So yeah, the Lord is doing all these things. And when you see in like verse six, and he says, um, he has laid waste his booth like a garden. What is what is the booth they're talking about? Dwelling. My, my Bible says dwelling. Yeah. What? Um, I need to check the Hebrew. Um, the tabernacle. Yeah. I mean, it it, it should bring to mind uh, the tabernacle, and we and by that we mean the tabernacle. Um, let me see here, Lamentations 2, 6. Let me make sure I'm getting this right. It's a mating place. Yes. Beautiful. Yeah, the, the, um, Suvo. The um, structure Israel's temple. Anyways, yes, yeah. So that brings to mind, uh, the tabernacle, the tent of meeting where God dwelled with his people in the, the, the wilderness, right? He, and so that's his temple, you know? Um, he has laid waste his booth like a garden, laid in ruins, his, 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 his meeting place, right? The Lord has made Zion forget festival on Sabbath, and in his fierce and in his fierce indignation has spurned king and priest, right? The left and the right hand kingdom, as we would say, yeah? That he has spurned both sides completely, yeah? Any thoughts about that before we move on to the next part? Well, he's just really ticked off. <laughs> yeah, he's very angry. Uh, yeah, righteous anger, right? Yeah. He has a right, yeah? yeah. God is in the right, God is just, and he has a reason, and it's a good reason to be angry. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else before we press on? I wonder how angry he's going to get with me. With you? Uh-huh. 
I mean, why you know, on earth would he get angry with you? Because I probably sin every day. Well, you ask me forgiveness every day. <laughs> well, yeah. I think the minute I open my eyes, I exactly, see them. <laughs> exactly, me too. You know, I mumble and grumble about things. Yeah. <laughs> well, we all do that. Yeah, you know, um, what does he say? We're, what do we have here in our, our small catechism where we say, um, uh, where is it? I'm trying to think here. Um, where we say, you know, we daily sin much, right? Thank we, you. We daily, well, we do. I'm not, I'm not saying only Alice Dahlman sins daily much. <laughs> We daily sin much, and so we need his forgiveness, right? Um, so, uh, I'm trying to find it here. Um, yeah, we, we, I'm probably not finding it well. But anyways, uh, that's my fault. Uh, we have in the catechism reminders of God's grace, you know. And this, but you know what? Your, your heart and mind are in the right place, we should read this and say, if that's as bad as, like, if that's what he does with unbelief, I should be careful, you know? I should be careful. I, I, I should take my sin very seriously, yeah? Because a little leaven does what? It leavens the whole lump, right? And, 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 it's, and it's, it's, it's not that we can stamp out every sin, but by God's help, we can daily sin less and less each day, you know, not to perfection, but to the point where we can say, you know, by God's grace, I no longer do this one thing that was a really bad habit or, you know, something that could have led me astray from God. And, and, and thanks be to God that he is by his spirit, led me away from it. And, and I see it for what it is. And my conscience is sharpened against it now, you know, so that when it shows up, I go, no, I don't want anything to do with that. Yeah. Um, we, but we always have weak parts within um, our lines of defense. And so we daily need to remind ourselves, okay, I fortified myself in this sense. This side got a little bit weaker. So maybe I need to focus on that one too. You know, so we're always, we're always having to re-examine ourselves. And God blesses that, right? Um, it's not so that we would be beaten down continually all the time, but to say, you know what? I am better in this way. In this way, I'm not so strong as, 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 as I thought I was. And by God's grace, I'm, I'm getting stronger, right? By God's grace, I'm getting sharper in that way. And, and um, I thank him for making me aware of it. I, I thank him for the strength to resist it by the power of the Holy Spirit. Right. And, and, and I say, glory be to God that I'm advancing or at least sinning less in some sense, even though I still daily sin much. Yeah. Because there are things that I'm not even aware of that I'm doing that are sinful. Right. And so all the time we are relying on God's grace over and over and over and over again. Right. And giving thanks and praise to him for all these things. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that we now take sin lightly. You know, there's some, some that do that. And for that, it's like, we need to be careful, right? It's a good thing to read this chapter and this book and say, you know, Lord have mercy on me, 
um, I pray that he would strengthen me because, you know, we as a nation, we've gone astray, right? Um, we've allowed certain things to happen and, 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 you know, things that are laws should not be laws. They are ungodly, right? Um, um, and there are even Christians who would say, you know, something along the lines of, oh, well, gay marriage is not so bad. I mean, that's a problem for the state, not for the church. And we say, that's a problem for everybody, you know, because when the state starts saying that homosexual marriage, quote unquote, marriage is okay, then everyone in the church starts to look and say, well, you know, if they don't think it's so bad, then I'm not going to harp on them so bad. Or, you know, it becomes normalized and, and people in the church can be affected in that way because they live out because they live they live in the world and even though they're not supposed to be of the world it's still a major temptation like don't don't tell me that your neighbor who is a either a pagan or a polygamist. <laughs> as long as he keeps it within his four walls of his house, it doesn't bother me. No, it does. It does. It, it, it affects the neighborhood. It affects the community. It does, it does damage, right? So we got to be careful about minimizing sin just because other people are doing it and we're not. Yeah. Um, and we reach out to these people for their sakes too, right? For our sakes and for their sakes, for the good of all the people. Um, but at the same time, we read something like Lamentations and we say, oh, Lord, have mercy on us when you eventually meet out your wrath on the ungodly, right? Because there were good people caught up in all of this. There That's were people. Say, yeah, there were there good were people. righteous people in this town, in yeah, this city. Yeah, they didn't, they didn't do anything specifically to, des like they were actively engaged in the idolatry or the wickedness. Um, some of them may even have spoken out against it. I mean, Jeremiah for right. decades spoke out against it, called them to repentance, faced suffering and hardship for it, and yet he still had to go, right? He did not get to stay. You know, it's not that the Babylonians came and said, the Lord God told us to only take these people and everybody else can stay here and live your happy lives and be blessed. No, everyone's got to go. And Jeremiah was taken down in to the, 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 the land of Egypt, right? And everybody else was taken off into Babylon um, or killed, right? And so... Uh, did he go to Egypt as a slave? Um, or did he... I think he fled. He fled and... and that wasn't um, easy to get out of Jerusalem and... No, I think I, th being I think well by God's by God's grace right. he fled exactly. and was able to make it into the land of Egypt. Uh, but still, he was in exile. You know, yeah. um, he fled. I think with his with his personal scribe who actually wrote most of the book, and Jeremiah told him these things, and his scribe transcribed it most of it, anyways. And so they escaped at least and made it down to Egypt. Everybody else had to be, and and I'm sure he probably went with couple other people too like probably a small amount of people went down to Egypt as well um, but they had to live in a foreign land you know they had to live in a land that was not their own it was not their father's land um, and that's and that's a punishment right for the collective sins of the people so I think it's right for us to read this and say 
Lord have mercy when the day comes, not if, but when the day comes when you will mete out your wrath on, on us because of the collective sins of our people. And I pray that we'll be able to remain faithful and remain steadfast. And even if we're taken away from our homes, that we will continue to trust in you, right? And that we will continue to see and cry out to you as he does. Cry out to you in the midst of hardship and trouble um, and, and trust that you will save us. Yeah. So, no, it's not a bad thing to see this personally. And, on, and instead of saying, well, that's only them. We're different now. No, no, no. <laughs> God does not change, right? God, God is consistent. He is perfect. He is just. And he is loving too, right? Perfectly just, perfectly loving, perfectly good. And he does all these things for our good. Yeah. So this is for our good to read these things and say, how may I repent? <laughs> what do I need to repent of? Yeah. Um, and how can I call out to others to help them in the same way too? Um, and call out to God for help. Yeah. Um, but as far as the next question that goes, how extensive was the damage done to the city of Jerusalem and to the people of Judah? Verses 8 through 10. How extensive was it? Total annihilation, right? What does he say there? What stands out to you most in verses 8 through 10? Well, tore down the walls around Jerusalem, mm -hmm. destroyed the whole city, the gates fell and the bars were broken. Mm -hmm. People, kings, and all of those people were captured and drugged into slavery. Mm -hmm. Lawless, God stopped communicating to his people through the prophets. Right. Elders are mourning. Women have been deserted, desolate, and defeated. Yeah. That's what I wrote down. Basically, everything has been turned upside down and inside out. Yeah. Well, the right. people rebelled against the commandments of the Lord. Uh-huh. So this is what happened. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so the gates and the walls are torn down. I think it's very interesting that it says in verse 8 that God stretched out the, the, sorry, God stretched out the measuring line to destroy yeah, not to build. Usually the measuring line is there to build something up. He does it to destroy. And he measures exactly what needs to be destroyed. He did not restrain his hand from destroying. He caused Rampart and Wall to lament. They languished together. The, the gates sunk into the ground, right? Broken the bars. Like you said, the kings and the princes are taken into slavery. Um, yeah, so... Uh, the leaders were taken away. The order is just gone. The communication with God is cut thing off. Is that God just quit communicating with them too? Yeah, yeah. Totally. He just yeah. shut his mouth and yeah. I mean, it was just total didn't chaos. Hear his word, find it out. Couldn't, couldn't go. Mm -hmm. to, yeah. It'd be like us not being able to go to church. Yeah. Or, or come to Bible class. You know, I mean, yeah. it, it's just. He, it's scary. Yeah. He, he said he shut his mouth. I think he shut his ears too. So I don't want to hear <laughs> you guys anymore. <laughs> I'm done here. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's that's a good that that's a good point. Um, I I think 
uh, on some level, I I don't think he really stopped up his ears too much because it's like it's kind of like well, and, and and I liken a lot to the familial bond that we have with God. You know, He is our Father, and and um, He is our head in that way too. Um, that you know, a father like with to use an example, Charlotte. Charlotte goes to bed, and what's good for her is that she stays in bed, and sometimes she cries, and she'll say, you know, Daddy, I need, I need some water. Daddy, I need some, you know, Daddy, I'm hungry, and she just got over being sick, and, you know, she has a cough, and we saw, like, you can give her some honey. She's like, I need some honey. I have a cough. I have this, you know, and, and so eventually you just have to say, I hear you, but I'm not going to answer you because you need to go to sleep, Right? Um, because that's, that's what's good for you, you know, that, that sort of thing. So in some sense, God hears their cries. I mean, and I would think that we know that because this made it into scripture, right? Um, that this is how it is a good way to pray. When you are suffering and languishing, you can cry out to God and he will hear you. He's just not going to necessarily, you know, in the midst of all this, and the people cry out, Lord, restore us to Zion. He's not, he's, he's not going to be like me and just say, okay, I'll bring you water. I'll bring you honey. I'll bring you this. You know, God is, God is not going to say, okay, and all of a sudden the angels are going to sweep down, wipe out the Babylonians and say, we're going to pick you up and carry you back into Jerusalem. And I'm going to build all the walls back for you. You know, that's not what was good for them. You know, they needed to go away and they needed to give the land rest. And God said, this is what needs to happen. Because this is good for you. It's not exactly a one-to-one correlation, but you see what I mean. I do. Yeah, that 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 we as parents and and, and you know um, those in charge of other people have to do certain things that for the other for those that are that are um, given to our charge, it's painful. And so I think I think on some level Charlotte feels some pain because she wants honey. I want honey. I want water. I want you know this. And you just go good night. Give it to her, and the next night she's going to be doing the exact right. same thing. Exactly. So you've got to stop it. Right. And that's what God had to do. He had to stop it. Right. You had to stop it and just say good night. Yeah. Good night. Well, in verse twelve, where the babies are. Where the mm-hmm. children are crying in the streets for bread and wine, and they all die in their mother's arms. Yep. Mm-hmm. As their life is poured out on their. There's not a thing the mother can do. This bosom. Yeah. Yeah. And just sit there and watch it and suffer. Yeah, isn't that terrible? I mean, were they giving their children wine? <laughs> oh <Sure>. well. Right. Yeah. There could be there could be like really weak wine. Yeah, they plead for food. That would calm them. Yeah. Yeah. Give a little little whiskey on the gums when they're teething, you know? Yeah. We don't do that for months, just long enough to kill all the germs. Yeah. Then they drink it. Yeah, 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 because the water wasn't necessarily always sanitary. Well, it's all beside the point. <laughs> oh, yeah. I yeah. wondered that whenever I read that. <laughs> I know, right? I kind of thought so, too. Um, but, yeah, so you see this total just desolation. Uh, and, 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 and that was another thing. You see, out, you see throughout the other histories and the um, prophets, God says, I need to give the land rest because even your... your your sin and your lawlessness has contaminated the land and the land needs rest now from your sin. And, and, uh, um, 
Yeah. So and and then the land grew wild after they left. You know. Don't you wish we had a prophet <laughs> nowadays? You do. Well, you do. Every Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> I understand that, but I. Golly. That God was going to tell you exactly what was going to happen? Yeah. 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 Um, I am. <laughs> I am going to tell you what's going to happen. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, not a... I know. Yeah, I, I, get, I get what you mean. And I'm, I'm kind of desirous of, of, of that. I, I desire that as well. It's like, I wish God would give me a vision. You know, some people say they do get a vision. I don't, I don't believe them because we have scripture that says that... Um, in many and various ways, God spoke to his people of old by the prophets, but now he has spoken to us by his son, right? So we have the final revelation from the one great prophet who was, who is greater than, than, um, who is greater than Moses as he promised in Deuteronomy, right? And that's Jesus. And so we have the final revelation that the next big thing to happen is going to be the end, Right? That's the next big thing. And that's my proclamation to you and to all the people that gather, right? That, that um, I'm crying out in the streets, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, right? That, um, yeah, we do have a prophet. It's just, just like with them though, Jeremiah and all the other guys were saying, repent, the end is coming. And day after day, it didn't come. And day after day, the people stopped listening or just didn't want to because they thought it just was never going to come. And it's kind of the same thing with us, right? And that's, that's why pastors can derive some strength from the prophets when they say like, when we think to ourselves, no one's listening to me. You can see like, well, not a lot of people listen to them and, and yet God sustained them. But some did listen and some were better off for it um, for all of eternity. Yeah. And that's what really matters. Like this, this life is not the ultimate, the end-all, be-all, but it is the life to come in Christ that is what's really at stake. Yeah, that's what's really at stake. In Revelation, it says in the end times, the Euphrates will dry up. And the Euphrates is drying up right now. Yeah? There's a lot of it just bone dry. Has it, has it dried up before? No. Never? Maybe in the Old Testament. Okay, <laughs> I was wondering. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, I think I heard about that. The Euphrates is drying up. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, maybe today, maybe tomorrow, maybe next week, maybe come, Lord, quickly. Ten years from now. Yeah, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Yeah, yeah. That should be our constant prayer. Amen. Amen. So, um, yeah, but we see here. Um, actually, you know what? One thing I will add is that this is a warning to us as well um, in the sense that, well, there's, there's some really tough parts of the New Testament for us to grab onto. Like Paul talks about, um, I think it's in Corinthians, I think it's in 1 Corinthians, where uh, he's talking about the end coming and that um, in the end there will be fire, right? There will be fire and we as Christians can see that fire as a purifying thing. And so he's basically saying, be careful that what you build up will make it through the fire. That everything else you build up around you that is straw and just wood and worthless, things that will not stand up against the flame, you know, things that are faithless, those things will be burned away. 
So uh, whatever will be burned away in the end, you have to say, what am I really holding on to? Am I holding on to the faith that endures? Am I standing on the solid rock of Christ? Or am I on the sand that will shift and swallow me whole, basically? And you say, at the end, the end will come, and the only thing that I'll have left to show for it is the faith that God has given me and the good works done in faith and things like that, right? And, and to say, I really hope that God would, would, would tell me, and my hope is solid on this, right? That I hope that God would tell me, well done, good and faithful servant, right? Um, um, so, uh, there in the end, there will come fire, there will come hardship, but as long as we have the right things, the things given to us by God's grace and our faith that is given to us, those things will last, yeah? Hold on to those things. Um, so, uh, what about that next question? What important truth must the people of Judah realize about their situation? Verse 17. They got what they deserved. Mm-hmm. The Lord kept warning them, and they kept ignoring them. Yeah. yeah. He told them what was going to happen. Do you know where he warned them exactly? Like what book? Jeremiah. Yeah. No, I mean like before Jeremiah. Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. 27, 28. That's right. 27, 28. If y'all want to keep a finger there in Lamentations and go to Deuteronomy 27 and 28. I looked at this the other day and I what thought... chapter 7? Deuteronomy 27 and 28. Yeah. Um, and you'll see there are curses and there are blessings. Um, and it's amazing. You know, so Deuteronomy 27, uh, it's actually kind of... I'm I'm kind of uh, I'm I'm kind of into this stuff, but in the Anglican, you know, the Church of England, they have their Book of Common Prayer, and as part of a service, they actually say these things, like uh, Deuteronomy twenty-seven, um, verses like fifteen and following, that that their priest will actually say, you know, cursed be the man who makes a carved a carved or cast metal image, an abomination to the Lord, a thing made by the hands of a craftsman, and sets it up in secret and then all the people say amen right and it's, it's it's just like what if we tried that someday maybe we should do that for lent i'll just read through deuteronomy 27 you know cursed is anybody that does this and everybody says amen right as a warning to repent yeah um but then you go um uh you get to 28 and look at that there's only 14 verses of blessings and then verse 15 through verse 68 are all curses. Isn't that sobering? Not that curses outweigh the blessings, right? Because the blessings abound, one on top of each other, right? Um, blessings, uh, blessings for obedience, right? Um, and this is not, uh, it might be easy to say, well, what makes God different from all the other gods that promise, that, that promise blessings through obedience? The difference is, is that this is, this is to be done and this is to be understood in light of God's grace already given. 
yeah? All the other false gods promise something for the sake of someone doing something. God has already given, and now he asks that in light of what he gives, we be faithful. Like Joel Osteen's God. <laughs> yeah, like Joel Osteen's God, um, that, you know, do these things and God will bless you only because you do them. Faith's not really a requirement. You just do them and, it's, and, and God will bless you. And, and that's not what God says. We understand, though, and we should be clear, because um, I think that, well, we should be clear on this, and then I'll get to my reasons as to why. We should be clear that there are blessings for faithfulness. Um, you know, that, that um, well, just, just as a very general example, you know, you... Um, if, if husband and wife come together in the, the, um, union of marriage, one flesh, you know, un unless there's something seriously wrong in either of their bodies or something like that, if they don't, if they don't hinder anything, God blesses them with children, right? It just happens and it just happens. And, and so that's, that's, that's the thing. That's a faithful act. And the result is a blessing of a child, you know, Un unless God has for some reason designated that they should not receive that gift. Yeah. But very generally, mostly, that's seen as something you just go, this is just what we do, you know, and that's what happens. Now, um, you see that you may get a little daunted at, at, you know, the blessings for obedience and the curses for disobedience. Um and I think that's just to be a warning, right? Uh, that's a warning to say, you know, stay, stay in God's good graces of faithfulness because of what he's already done for you because there are consequences, right? There are consequences for what happens in faithlessness and disobedience. Um, and um, the unrepentance that we might fall into. And I say this is like, we, we should understand that faithfulness does bring about temporal blessing, right? Um, being, being faithfulness also in a different way of saying, I am faithful to God in that I do my best, if I'm a businessman, to be honest and to be fair in the deals that I give and, and the way I treat people. And what's the blessing there? You get a good reputation, huh? More business. More business. Yeah. You get people to see that you are a good and upright person and that, you know, God will bless you with a good reputation. Yeah. It's, it's very simple. But oftentimes I think we as Lutherans have gotten into this mindset that when we say do good things and God will bless you, you know, of course, with faith understood. Right. Mm -hmm. Do good things in faith and God will bless you. Somehow we've gotten into this knee-jerk reaction of like, well, works don't save you. You go, that's not the point. That's not the point. The point is that God has saved you. And now, like Jesus says, teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. Right? And lo, I am with you always, even until the very end of the age. Uh, that baptizing and teaching that we now have the way of life that is set before us and that even Ephesians, right, says that we do the good works that have been prepared for us to do. 
We talked about the Easter eggs that one time, right? God sets out the Easter eggs for us to find and do the good things that he has prepared for us to do. And we don't have any right to pass them up and say, that's not good. Yeah? So, something to keep in mind uh, with all that. But yeah, Deuteronomy 27 and 28, we're not going to go through all of it, but you can kind of just kind of see what the blessings are um, and what the curses are. Um, the blessings being, you know, uh, and, and if you faithfully obey, not faithlessly, right, but faithfully obey, the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. And overtake you, right? That's what's awesome about this. They will overtake you. And if you obey, if you obey the, the voice of the Lord your God, blessed shall you be in the city, blessed shall you be in the field, blessed shall be the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your ground and the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your herds and the young of your flock. Blessed shall be your basket and your 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 kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. Blessings overpouring, overtaking you, filling you up to where you, you know, your cup overflows, right? And then you see the same thing on the flip side with disobedience, but even more so, uh, you'll be defeated before um, you'll be defeated before um, the enemies. Uh, and he says, the Lord will, Deuteronomy 28, 36, the Lord will bring you and your king whom you set over you to a to to a a nation that neither you nor your fathers have known and there you shall serve other gods of wood and stone and you shall become a, and you shall become become a horror a proverb and a byword among all the peoples where the Lord will lead you away right and just kind of keeps going on what shall happen to you uh, and the sojourner, like the, the person who's there temporarily, who is, who is uh, beside you shall rise higher and higher above you and you shall come down lower and lower. Yeah, these are warnings and something that you know, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that God, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that these blessings and curses went away with the New Testament. You know, I really don't think so. Uh, because these are very general blessings of faithfulness and curses of faithlessness. Yeah. Um, so, any any questions about that? Um, that God wanted the people to understand um, that he had previously warned them that these things would happen. Any thoughts about that? Questions? Kind of a lot to take in, huh? Yeah. All right. Well, if y'all don't have any questions about that, I'll leave that to y'all to read Deuteronomy 27 and 28 in depth if you'd like. It's worthwhile. Um, how about that next question under discuss? The last, the last question under discuss. Um, what is the main subject of the prayer the people of Judah um, give to God? Verses 20 through 22. Lamentations 2. What's the main subject of that prayer? 
Well, they're asking the Lord for their uh, for forgiveness. Um, they they want help coming out of pain. Mm. I don't know. That's kind of what I wrote. Yeah, I don't I don't necessarily see forgiveness asked for right now. Oh, you don't? No, not not really. Um, what are they mainly saying here? Blaming God for everything. Um, why, why are you doing this? Yeah. yeah they're, ask, they're asking God to consider how profoundly, like, the profound suffering that they are going through, right? They're not necessarily asking for forgiveness right now. They're just saying, oh, Lord, you have greatly afflicted us. Please look and see how much we suffer. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think they're starting to realize that they brought it on themselves. Oh, yeah. I think they realized that in chapter one, and it's just getting flushed out more and more as we go along here. Um, yeah, they say, Look, O Lord, and see with whom have you dealt thus? Should women eat the fruit of their womb, the children of their tender care? Should priest and prophet be killed in the sanctuary of the Lord? Right? In the dust of the streets lie, lie the young and old. My young women and my young men have fallen by the sword. You have killed them in the day of, of your anger, slaughtering without pity. You summoned as if to a, as if to a, a festival day my terrors on every side. And on the day of the anger of the Lord, no one escaped or survived. Those whom I held and raised, my enemy destroyed. There's, there's, there's not really a saying, Lord, forgive me. There's just, no. Lord, look at what you've done to me. I messed up. No, that's okay. That's okay. Because you know what? We would hope that that would be part of our prayer. Yeah. Yeah? That when we cry out and we say, God, why have you afflicted me with this suffering, with this disease, with this problem, with this other person or whatever? Why have you done this? Forgive me if I deserve this, right? Forgive me if I've done something to deserve this, but also have mercy on me and 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 bring me out of this if it is your will and and you know keep me strong in the faith. Yeah, right right now that's not really what Lamentations is doing. Yeah. Jer- Jeremiah is just crying out. He's he's in pain. And we see that that's okay to do. You know, that's permissible. That's not a that's not a sin to cry out to God and say, look how much you've afflicted me. Um, I mean, sort it's kind of like... Job. Huh? Sort of like Kind Job. of like Job, yeah. yeah. And going, going back to the parent or the father and the child, you know, child does something bad, they deserve, you know, a swat on the leg or, you know, something that's going to hurt but teach. You, know, you don't... You don't beat your children into submission, but, but you know, at, at, at times there must be punishment at least. You know, you put them in time out, something like that. And they're going to cry. And they're going to cry out in pain. Why did you do this to me? That hurts too much. And you just have to let them, let them cry. And know that that was actually for their good. Time out or whatever, you know. That was, that was for their good. They should know. I spankings with the belt. Yeah. <laughs> you with a switch. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Nowadays they, they don't do that. 
Yeah. Well, we well not to no. not to get get ourselves into trouble if you know whatever. But right. A- anyways, like Lottie, Lottie will like smack Henry on the head, and we've gotten you know, and she she just goes no Henry no, and he's not doing anything. She just like, <laughs> smacks him on the head no Henry no, and she, and like she hits him hard, and he's a good little trooper too. Uh, he he just sits there and he just takes it and just looks at her like, what are you doing? You know, uh, I guess that's the boy, the boy in him. But she's smacking him on the head and we've 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 told her no, stop it, and she keeps on going. And then like we've gotten pretty swift to where when she reaches back and as soon as she smacks him and her hand comes back, we grab that hand and we smack it. We say, don't do that. And it's funny because even before, like right before our hand connects with hers, she starts going, ow, that hurts. <laughs> she knows that she shouldn't be doing yeah. that, right? Yeah. Ah, oh, that hurts, that hurts. It's like, I know it hurts. That's like, what do you think you're doing to Henry? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so, so kids are gonna cry out and um, those who are being punished justly even cry out in pain, yeah? Um, so, uh, I mean, that's, that's just what's going to happen. And so we shouldn't be any different in that sense. We're suffering and we cry out to God and we say, Lord, I'm suffering. He knows, but um, it's good to let him know if he is our dear father, right? Yeah. You know, it, I think it hurts God to, to spank us. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he delights no, in, he in, in this. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, a parent doesn't like to spank their it. kid that's, either, that's you know, what I was yeah. thinking. or slap their hand or hurt them in any way. I mean, no. but you know that to death. <laughs> What's you that? have to do that. What'd you say? Yes. <laughs> no, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> you repented. That's good. No, <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Parents don't enjoy. I mean, I would. I would love to just give Lottie whatever she wants, but I know that you know that that can spoil her. And um, I can't just let her hit Henry on the head. You know, that's just what kids do. They get jealous or, or they get upset and, and they just do that because they're sinners. They're little sinners and they're going to do things they shouldn't do. They're going to be disobedient. But if I just let her go, no, oh, that's yeah. just that's that's going to be bad for her. That's going to be bad for Henry. Um, and in actually, you know, disobedience to parents disobedience in, in breaking the fifth commandment. I mean, in the large catechism, it, it takes it so seriously. It says you either obey your parents or, or you obey the hangman, one or the other, right? Disobedience to parents leads to graver crimes and graver punishment. Yeah. So it, it, it's serious stuff. So what are you going to do when she bites you? What's that? I'm not gonna bite her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Children do that. Yeah, I know. Don't want to bite her. No, I'm not gonna bite her. But we'll have other punishments as far as like you're going in your crib now. You're gonna stay in there until we until we tell you to come out. That sort of stuff. I know when uh, little. Um, that works. Uh-huh. My little great grand. What's his Braxton. name? Braxton. <laughs> Started over at Bethany. They had a big thing with kids biting each other, oh. and they couldn't. They couldn't. The teachers were having a hard time controlling the biting. Oh. They were three, four, and five year olds. I mean, they were 
I've seen teenagers that bite, adults bite. Look at all these wrestlers that bite, bite off other guys' ears. <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. Well, his face. What are, my question is, what, what were the parents doing about it? The biting? Yeah, the biting. Um, because because teachers act in place of the parents, right? But if the parents aren't doing anything no, to enforce no, Nick, whatever, and, Nick and Morgan did something. I can't remember that. Yeah. It was too long ago. I can't remember. But they punished him when he got home. Yeah, yeah. When That's the point that I'm trying to make is that the parents... And I don't remember what the punishment was. But, but it did go away. It did go away. Well, that's good. Good. Yeah. Put muscles on. <laughs> Put muscles, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's let let's keep pressing on here. Let's go to the apply section for our study on Lamentations two here. Um, so, to their horror, the people of Judah learned that God is not mocked. You see that in Galatians six, verse seven, and that persistence in sin brings dreadful consequences. Why don't people respect these truths? People don't respect anymore. Period. Right. Well, what is it that causes them to do that? I wish I knew. They didn't get spanked when they were a kid. <laughs> Arrogance. <laughs> They're just selfish. Selfishness. You hear, you hear a lot of people say, you know, God wouldn't do that to me. Well, just wait and I see. Don't that. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, very generally, what is it? Why don't people respect the truths? Sin. Where, yeah, where does where does rebellion come from? Sin. Our sinful nature, right? We are born in sin. We are we are conceived in sin uh, because of Adam, right? We um, receive the sin that he committed. You know, it's just passed down generation after generation. Rebellion against God comes from the sinful flesh, right? People think that God won't notice their sin or that he's too weak or or lacks to do anything serious about it right like you said god wouldn't do that to me i believe in a loving god it's like okay i believe in a loving and just god and you know those those things are not mutually exclusive or contradictory yeah so um that's the warning right that god is not mocked god cannot you know it's it's like one of these things uh, one time I saw, you know, if you go to, if you go to London, right, um, and you go to the palace, you go to Buckingham Palace, they have those guards who stand there, and they stand their post, and the big joke is you can go and you can stand and you can do all these funny things around them, but I saw this one video that somebody took, this guy was getting in his face, and like, coming at him physically, as if he wasn't going to do anything. And the guy kept saying, make way for the queen's guard, make way for the queen's guard. And, and, and he kept being like, you know, like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And the guy kept pushing it and pushing it. And that guard's patience ran out and he clocked him and he knocked him to the ground. It was really funny because there was like a foot height difference between these two guys. The guy who was antagonizing him was shorter. The guard was like a, like half a foot taller than him. It's like, don't mess around with this guy. He's in the service for a reason. 
And he has a reason to knock you down if he's being threatened, right? You're messing around, you're playing a game, you're mocking him. He has every right to knock you down when it comes time for it, right? So I was, I was like, ah, that's justice right there, yeah? Uh, you might think it's petty, but at the same time, the guy was encroaching in a way he should not. He was breaking the law, the protocol, and he needed to be punished for it. And justice was met. I thought that was kind of funny. Funny in a sense where you're just like, you, you see someone get come up and right away and you go, yeah, all right, there you go. You don't see that a lot these days. <laughs> um, but yeah, so God is not mocked. That's like someone standing before God and thumbing their nose at him and saying, you're not going to do anything to me. Watch and see all this stuff that I can do and nothing's going to happen to me. And they're going to find out that's not the case, right? Um, and we want them to know that's not the case. Right? We as Christians want to warn people that you need to be careful. You actually need to repent. You, you, you need to turn from this sin. It's going to lead you to hell. It's going to be terrible. We don't want that for you, right? So they may think they can get away with it as they think that others apparently do or because they're an exception you know, to God's law. Um, and I, Proverbs 22, verse 8 says, Whoever sows... Whoever sows... Um, sorry, whoever sows, um, whoever sows injustice will reap, will reap calamity and the rod of his fury will fail, right? You reap what you sow. Yeah. And don't be surprised when your crop comes up and it's rotten and it has bad fruit, Right. Uh, there are consequences for these things. Yeah. Any other thoughts on that one? Questions? Okay. All right. How about um, that next question? A, a proverb. I don't. I don't think it's one of the proverbs in the Bible, but. A proverb states that the wheels of God's justice may grind slowly, but they grind, but they grind exceedingly fine. How does that apply to our world today? I think it's a good proverb, really. Do y'all do y'all do y'all understand what the proverb is? What it's trying to say? What is it trying to say? It's, it grinds real slow. But it grinds real fine. Yeah. I mean, just like pepper. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You just grind that pepper. Or coffee real or something like fine. that. Yeah. I tried to look it up in Proverbs. Yeah. And it isn't exactly, but this is kind of close if you think about it. It was Proverbs twenty twenty two. It says, do not say, I'll pay you back for this wrong. Wait for the Lord, and he will avenge you, you know. The slowness, the yeah, patience. Just wait. Yeah. You know, it, 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 Vengeance is justice, mine, I will repay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, yeah. Sometimes you're right. It's wait just, yeah. just wait. Uh, justice is slow. Yeah. Just wait. Yeah. But it's, it's just like the U.S. You know, God should have destroyed him 100 years ago. And he's just waiting. Yeah. And, he, and, and he waits for the sake of repentance, right? That's, that's, that's what we learn from uh, 
one of St. Peter's epistles, right? That do not count God's patience or slowness as him being slack, but he waits and he is patient for those who would repent and turn. Yeah. Um, kind of like the parable of um, the wheat and the tares. You know that parable where um, a man goes out and he sows his wheat and then the adversary comes and he sows tares. And I've, I've seen something recently about this. Tares, the weeds, you know, we, we say, I think some of our translations just generalize it to weeds, but tares, T-A-R-E-S, tares look like wheat. Mm-hmm. They look exactly like wheat until they're fully grown. When, when they're just sprouting, they look exactly like wheat, but if you harvest them and, then you, and, and you eat them, they are poisonous. Yeah? That's why Jesus told it. He said that um, if you take it out too soon, you're going to... Pull up get, others. Pull out the good ones, too. So right. you, in our society, we, in, we're waiting a long time yeah. for... Um, some weeding to be done. Yeah. But, um, God's time is just it's God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I really like that, that proverb though, that they do say that God's justice may grind slowly, or the wheels of God's justice may grind slowly, but they grind exceedingly fine. It comes eventually. It comes. Um, and it only takes one pass for it to, you know, once, once God's justice comes, it comes and it's done. You know, it's not, you know, you see these, we, um, what is it, in the ancient world, they would have the stones that would grind and they would have the ox um, tied to the stone to go around and they would, and, and, and it would have this giant wheel going on top of this track and they put the grain down and they still do that to like, to um, certain grains and certain, um, like, um, that's, that's how in certain parts of the world they, um, they press out, um, uh, they press out the olives for um, the olive oil and things like that still. And they have to keep going over and over and over and over again to get it all pressed out, ground up, everything like that. Um, but with this, it's saying once, once the grinding wheel comes around once it's ground to powder, you know, it's ground down fine to where it's just, it's done. It's over. Uh, God acts swiftly in his justice in that sense. Right. Um, God who is both just and patient has not changed. He may allow sin to go unpunished for a time, but he will ultimately see to it that those who sin are punished. Yeah. And like what St. John the Baptist says, that um, he says, repent for the kingdom of the Lord is at hand. His winnowing fork is in his hand and he will divide the wheat from the chaff and the wheat he will gather into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Right? He will divide the things as they need to be divided. He will make out, he, he will meet out everything that needs to be taken care of. And, you know, better to be the wheat than the chaff. Yeah. Any other thoughts about that?
Okay, how about that last question? Then we'll wrap up here. What experiences have helped you learn to respect God's just anger over sin? This is going to be different for for everybody, so it's going to be particular to you if you'd like to share. And you can be as general as you want to as well. So you don't have to be super specific. Hmm. (laughs) I'm trying to think. Have you seen something happen to somebody else? Have you seen someone else receive the consequences for certain sins? You know, in my situation, I don't know that I consider it a sin, but okay. when I was working for American General, I worked there for almost 20 years, <laughs> six weeks short of 20 years, and my boss felt threatened by me, so he got me laid off. Mm. Well, it worked out that I got a much better job within two weeks but he got transferred to Indiana to a miserable town. <laughs> and the exec VP that signed off on the termination got sent there also. And he died two years later from cancer. Oh, wow. And the, my boss, uh, his wife left him, his motorhome burned up. And all of wow. this within a year of them terminating me. Wow. Wow. Well, and and I would say that well, if you know for a fact, if if he terminated you because he was threatened by you, yeah, well, that's what he told me. Oh, okay. Well, then that's and clear. That his word. In fact, he tried to get me to quit, and I told him. I said, "No, I like my job." Yeah. And I am no threat to you. Yeah. Well, if that's the case, then that's that's idolatry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the very general sense, he's. He's idolatrous for his job, and he's going to do whatever he can to keep it. And God took it away. Who knows if it was for exactly that reason, but, I mean, that might have had something to do with it. Who knows? I'm not going to say the whole wife leaving him in the motorhome burning down was all attached to that, but, I mean, mean, who knows knows what else was going on? I judge God. I mean... No, yeah, sure, yeah. Those things are, yeah. But for those two guys, it turned out miserable. Yeah, and, yeah... Well, interesting. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Um, anybody else have anything to share about that? No? I don't know if this is if this is the case, uh, and may, maybe I shouldn't say anything, but I, I think I will. I don't really know who I don't I don't know all the parties involved in all this, but I remember hearing. So, my uncle um, went through a bad divorce, you know, and he he had he only has one daughter, so I only have and and out of out of my. My mom and her three siblings, there's only me and my cousin that, that ever came from that. And so um, 
that's one thing. But the other thing is, is that my uncle went through a really bad divorce and, um, uh, when, when he was going through, after the divorce of, you know, uh, from, um, his first wife, uh, he wanted to be around his daughter, my cousin, and he wanted to, and, and he went to church with them and they went to a Missouri Synod congregation. I won't say where, but they went to a Missouri Synod congregation and, um, his ex-wife didn't like that. He, she did not like it. And he went to that church because that's where she went and that's where her family went. And the pastor told my uncle, don't come back. Don't come back. And he was saying, why? And he said, because your presence upsets them. You just being here upsets them. And we just want to keep the peace you need to go. They've been, it, he, he didn't say this, but it was kind of understood. And, and I don't, I don't want to go too far in uh, casting aspersions or motivation or whatever. But the idea was that they've been here for a while. Their family is well established here. You have gotten a divorce. They were here before you. You're the one that needs to go. And when my mom told me about that story, I was furious. I was absolutely Furious, and I think it was like I I heard about that after college, and I was considering going and being a pastor and stuff like that. And I thought to myself, you know, shame on that pastor for doing that to my uncle, to anybody, even if it wasn't my uncle. It's horrible. And she said, well, not long after that, he got a brain tumor and he died. And I thought to myself, oof. I don't know if that was exactly why, but I was thinking to myself, well. Uh, I hope that he repented of that at some point in time and saw that what he did to my uncle was a bad thing. And I hope he didn't do it to anybody else. Oh, but the pastor got a brain The pastor tumor? got a brain tumor and died. Not my uncle. The pastor got a brain tumor a couple years after that and died from the brain tumor. And I'm not going to say, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to say anything about his soul or anything like that because I don't know. But I will say it's just like, well, I, I wonder. I wonder if that was some sort of call to repentance, at least, to say, you know, Lord, have mercy on me and Lord, have mercy for what I did to Bill, you know, <laughs> because that was just horrible. I mean, a pastor casting out someone just because he wants to be near his daughter, you know, and, and, and he wasn't causing a scene. He wasn't he he's not the kind of guy to do that, to come in there and just cause trouble. And when the pastor told him to go, he left. He listened and he left because he's not one to stir anything up. But I heard that. I was like, that is just outrageous. It's absolutely outrageous for pastors to do that. That is, um, that's an abuse, I think. So, um, and I'm not saying that I would be immune to something like that. But if I ever did something like that, I, I you know, and, and caused someone to possibly stumble because of an error that I made, if someone brought it to my attention, I would hope that I would repent, you know. Um, lest, lest God strike me down. I'll come with a switch. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, thinking back, I went through a really horrible divorce with Valerie's dad. Mm -hmm. I mean, he wrote letters. He was going to take me to court. 
that I was unfit mother. I mean, it was horrible. Mm. And I had to put up with this for six years. And anyway, make a long story short, he passed away last year, and he passed away angry. He had dementia. Mm. And I hate to say this, but I was really happy to hear <laughs> that he passed away. I mean, he put me through hell. He was unrepentant too, wasn't he? He yes. never apologized for anything he that he never, did. He wouldn't come to church yeah. with the girls and I, you know. He said, oh, you're an angel, you know. I mean, it was just awful. And um, like I said, when he passed away last year, I thank God. Well, in that sense, God has dealt with him. Yeah. Fully now. I mean, I mean he's in his hands. Yeah. And yeah. God will do what's right. You know. Right? Trust in him. He just didn't believe in God and didn't yeah. believe in the promises and, and all of the yeah. miracles that we see on a daily basis. I, I just, I don't know. So anyway, I've got to repent for saying that. <laughs> Anybody else have anything they want to share? Okay. It's kind of a tough subject, I'm sure, but yeah. it's something to think about. Yeah. Um, with, with that, we'll go ahead and close for today. We'll, we'll be done, um, and we'll pick up next week on Lamentations 3. One thing I do want to say is that there's several sheets for that because it's the longer chapter of all five. So there's like three three sheets we're gonna have to get through. So and, and some of these we'll 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 be able to push through real, pretty quickly um, when we go through the through, through the discuss and apply and things like that. So just become come prepared to discuss and um, you know we'll we'll just keep on pushing through, okay? Oh, so we do all of Lamentation three. All all of Lamentations three. Um, and some of those are really quick responses, you know, like what is. Um, Verse one, two, three, four, say, and um, some of those are, are, are a little more in depth, but we'll just kind of spend as much time as we need to on certain things and kind of go over other things that don't need a whole lot of explanation. Okay. So long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. That's all right. That's that's totally fine. Um, do you have Do you have time to stay for the Lord's prayer? Sure. Okay. I can do right. that. Okay. <laughs> Okay, taught by our Lord and trusting his, his promises, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.